And it's now time for the word, time to just hear the word of God. And um, today we'll be continuing our sermon series on the book of Ephesians titled Rediscovering New Life. You can just follow it up there on the slides. Okay, Rediscovering New Life. So um, in the last few months, we've turned our attention to the practical side of Paul's teachings. Okay, we've looked at the topic of anger management. We've talked about, you know, why it's important for us to manage our anger and the reasons why we, we do manage our anger. Uh, we talked about discerning the words that we use, discerning the use of our words. Do we use it to build? Do we use it to tear down? And the importance of actually making sure our words are seasoned with salt. We talked about maintaining unity and peace. The Bible says that we should make every effort, that's what it says, every effort to maintain unity and peace, meaning that it takes effort and we have to put work into it. We talked about being rooted in love, Christian humility and patience. And we've looked at the theological side as well of Paul's writings, um, where we talked about saved by grace, chosen and adopted in Christ, and also being blessed in Christ. If you've missed any of those messages, please go on our YouTube channel and catch up with them, and I believe that you'll be blessed by that. Anyway, today our topic is on forgiveness. Our topic is on forgiveness. You know, this is one of those topics that we can all relate to. We can all relate to it because we have all experienced some form of hurt, mistreatment, betrayal from one degree to another, okay, caused by someone else. And we've got to wrestle with the idea of forgiving the person. And what are we meant to do? Are we just meant to let them off the hook? Is that what forgiveness actually means? Just to hold back and let them get away with it? Is that what it means? We will look at that later. Anyway, just as an example, really, I remember some years ago, I was um, leading a youth club, and I was leading a talk on forgiveness. And um, it was obvious that there was one young, you know, this teenager who was struggling with the concept of forgiveness. And he put his hand up, and he asked the question. He said, Chris, um, so if someone hits me, can I, can I hit them back and then say to them, I've forgiven you? Is that the way it works? <laughs> and I said to him that, so all of the stuff I've been saying, that is what you're thinking forgiveness is about. You know, because it's a difficult thing, it's not easy to forgive. And I think it would be good for us to look at the definition of forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive? I know we have a concept of it, but let's look at the definition. And I saw this helpful definition. It says this. Forgiveness is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. Again, forgiveness is a conscious, you make a conscious and deliberate decision. You're deliberate about it to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or a group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness or not. You come to that place and you make that decision. It's a deliberate decision. It's an act of the will to say that you are going to release the person and you are also going to release the feelings of resentment in your heart. 
That is what forgiveness means. The passage we're looking at is Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. And the part that is underlined is the one that we are focusing on today. It reads, it says this. This is the ESV version. It says this. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another, and I explained that. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. That was what we discussed a few weeks ago in terms of anger management. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That Peter would address that in a few weeks' time. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. We've addressed that already, discerning the use of our words. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and calmer and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's what we're looking at today. Church, by this definition, Paul was saying this, by the definition of forgiveness, Paul was saying this, that as a church or as believers, we need to be people who are quick to make a conscious and a deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards others as God in Christ has done the same for us. As God in Christ has done the same for us. It sounds like a lovely thing, but we all know that forgiveness is not easy, especially depending on the degree of hurt or the offense that has been committed. Let me give you a couple of examples. You may find it easy to forgive someone who lied about you and tarnished your image. Okay? Among friends. It might be easier to do that. Some people would hold it in and they will not release such a person. But for, some, for a lot of people, it might be easy to do that. But what about the person whose lie landed you in prison for years? Just before you were about to sign your first professional football contract. This has happened. It's not just an example. This guy in college, great athlete, playing American football. This is America. He was accused of something that he did not do. He was known as the, you know, the next big thing. He spent years in prison because of someone's life. Ruined his career, the, the opportunity that he had. He had teams that were lined up. Do you forgive the person who lied, lied about you? Spending years on when you were innocent? You may find it easy to forgive the person who crushed you whilst you were driving and you parked your car and you were shaking in the car, but nothing happened to you. You did not crash the car. But what about the person who through their negligence, through wrong choices that they have made, drink driving, caused the death of loved ones? It has happened. Do you forgive that person? Deeply hurt you. Your wife that you love, 
your husband that you love, your children, do you forgive that person? Where do you even start from? In his book, Total Forgiveness, R.T. Kendall, who was a previous pastor of Westminster Chapel, he said this as he was preaching on total forgiveness. And the thing about total forgiveness was this, that R.T. Kendall, as a minister, um, you know, seven in this church, he was deeply hurt. And sometimes some of these deep hurts, right? It happens in the church. And we as believers who... We have the scripture that talks about forgiveness. It talks about understanding. It talks about tolerance. Sometimes these deep hurts do affect us and it happens in the body of Christ. And this pastor, and sometimes it happens to ministers, but you don't know who to turn to. Yeah, who, do you, who are you going to talk to? It feels like a lonely place. This was where he found himself, deeply hurt. And he was talking to his friend, this Romanian pastor, I believe he was Romanian. And as he was pouring out to him, thinking that he would get some sympathy from him, the pastor told him that, Artie, you must totally forgive them. <laughs> it was like, it's like it really changed his notion. It changed his mind. And it led him to start the process of actually forgiving these people and releasing them from his heart. This was a pastor. And he wrote a book about it. And he was saying that when he went preaching, about total forgiveness. He said, I received a heart-rending letter from someone who had heard me preach on total forgiveness a few years ago. They told me what their son-in-law had done to their daughter and grandchildren. It was awful. He didn't go into details of what it was. Are you saying we must totally forgive our son-in-law? They asked. He said, that was a hard one. But I had to write back. Yes, he continued, I wished I could carry the letter to them by hand and then be there when they read it just to support them. My heart went out to them. Church, there are many ways in which forgiveness may feel wrong. It may feel like they are getting away with it. It may feel unjust. It may feel or you may feel the need to revenge and bring some form of justice or balance to their skill of hurt. It's like they have deeply hurt you and the skill has tipped and they don't feel anything. How do you bring that balance? I need to hit back. I need to, so that they can feel the way that I feel. But sometimes we feel that way. Again, Archie Kendall in his book said, when we are bitter, we delude ourselves into thinking that those who hurt us are more likely to be punished as long as we set our minds on revenge. We are afraid to let go of the feelings of vengeance. We are afraid. Why? After all, if we don't make plans to see that justice is done, how will justice be done? We make ourselves believe that it is up to us to step in. How often do we feel that way? We make ourselves believe that it is up to us to bring that equilibrium, to bring justice by holding in on forgiveness. But many times we are reminded in scripture, this is what scripture says, Proverbs from the Old Testament to the New. Proverbs 20, 22 says this, do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord. 
and he will deliver you. And when it says do not say, some people will read this and say, okay, I won't say it, but I will do it. <laughs> it doesn't mean don't say it and then do it. It means don't say it and don't do it. <laughs> don't say it and don't follow through with it. Yeah? Again, Proverbs 22, 29 says this. Do not say, again, not just don't say, but don't do it as well. Do not say, I will do, him, I'll do to him as he has done to me. I will repay the man back for what he has done. Don't say that. and Don't do it. What is Solomon saying here? Rather than having that feeling, forgive the person. Rather than holding that in, that thought of vengeance and revenging, forgive the person. What about the parable of the unforgiving servants that Jesus shared? We come to the New Testament. What about the parable? Matthew 18, 21 to 35, and there's so much in here. This is what it says. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Peter, he's just straight, he doesn't beat about the push. He's talking about forgiveness, but I mean, how often will he sin against me and I forgive him? And Jesus said this. He said, as, as many as seven times. Peter was like, as many as seven, seven is enough, surely. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And church, when it says 77 times, some theologians have said this, that it doesn't mean you take it down and wait until 77 times and then after, you know, the 78th time, then you're like, I'm not forgiving you. That's not what it means. <laughs> some theologians have actually said it means 77 times of the same kind of offense. Of the same kind of offense. Meaning, if they offend you 77 times of the same thing, and the 78th was a different one, you still have to continue. It means continue forgiving. That's what it means. Jesus goes on and Jesus says this, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Let's pause there. Let me elaborate on this. Church, a talent was a weight, about 35 kg, okay? And depending on what was being weighed, the value of it varied. So if you say one talent of gold, it was more like it had more worth than one talent of silver or one talent of copper. Nonetheless, it was worth a lot, okay? Apparently, one talent was so, it was such, it, it was so valuable that apparently it could pay one laborer for 16 years, a laborer's wage. So one talent of maybe copper could pay a laborer in those days for 16 years. You can employ someone for 16 years with one talent. This man owed 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, okay? Let's put that into perspective. That means you can employ 10,000 laborers for 16 years with how much the man owed the king. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money he owed. So it puts it into perspective. You can pay 10,000 laborers for 16 years how much he owed. It goes on and it says, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold 
with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. In those days, that was the practice. If you owed a debt, sometimes you sold yourself into slavery to work a bit and all that you worked for was paid or used to pay the debt. So the servants fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And guess what? This, this man, this servant was lying. Regardless of the patience that this king would have with him, there is no way that he could have paid him back. It was such, it, <laughs> he couldn't have paid it back. And he was lying to the king's face, telling him, be patient with me and I will pay you all back. And the Bible says this, out of pity for him, the master of the servants released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Let's pause here. Church, a denarius or one denarii was equivalent to one day's laborer's wage. One. So if someone worked for you, you would give them a denarius. Okay? The whole day. Okay? You give them a denarius. This is servant owed him 100 denarii. Meaning, you could employ one laborer for about four months with how much he owed him. It was still money, but it wasn't as compared to one talent or even the 10,000 talents that he owed. Four months, one laborer. So it gives you the perspective of things. The passage goes on and it says this. When he saw this, his servants who owed him 100 denarii, he, seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me. Same words he said to his, his master, have patience with me and I will pay you. But the reality was this, in this case, it was realistic that this servant could pay him. It was realistic that this servant could pay him. The Bible says this, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servants as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the, all the debt. And church, the debt he owed, he would never be able to pay. That means that he will be in jail all his life, even till eternity. So, Jesus concluded, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. It is a hard one. So, he will do. Church, these are the words of none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The one in whom we have our identity as Christians. He is the embodiment of God's grace. He is the word of God. He says this, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. He means it. He means it. Again, he said this, just after the Lord's prayer, at the end of it, Matthew's account, 
This is what he said in Matthew 6, 14 to 15. He said this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Church, the Lord has repeated himself here. He means it. We need to take it on board. If someone repeats themselves, they're emphasizing something important. And some people would say that this was before the cross. After the cross, things have changed. But church, we cannot just take a gamble on that. This was the teachings of Jesus. He repeated himself. He means it. He means it. So therefore, why should we forgive them? Why should we forgive? One, we should forgive because it is a command. It is a command. From the passages we have read, forgiveness is not an option or a suggestion. It is hard to say, depending on the degree of hurt. It is hard to say, but it is a command. There are no exceptions to this matter, but we need to understand what forgiveness does not mean in order to be able to forgive others. Okay? It is a command, but we need to be able to understand what it does not mean in order to be effective in forgiving others. So to help us be more willing to forgive, let's look at what it does not mean. What forgiveness does not mean. Forgiveness does not mean it's business as usual or you trust the person totally. It doesn't mean that. If you forgive the person, it does not mean that you trust them or trust is restored. That's not what it means. Okay? I had this classmate that I was in school with years ago. Um, she became a pharmacist in, in America. And years ago, she, we, we, we were talking, and she told me about this experience that she had. <laughs> she said her close friend, you know, before, before we get to that, she said this, that she was seeing that money was being taken out of her account. Payments of things were, and she looked at the statement, she's like, I haven't been to these places. <laughs> it wasn't me. So she reported it, she reported it to her bank. And when the bank investigated, there was one of the cash machines that had a camera there. And they showed it to her. And basically, this person who was withdrawing with her card and her PIN number was her close friend. Her close friend. <laughs> Even if she's forgiven the person, that relationship cannot be restored well, fully. Trust cannot be restored well. She wouldn't just leave her card there because she's forgiven the person. To forgive does not mean that it is business as usual or then you start to trust the person. In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren said this, and it helps us. It says, forgiveness must be immediate, whether or not a person acts for it. On the other hand, trust must be rebuilt over time. Trust requires a track record. You can't just trust someone just like that. If someone has betrayed your trust, it takes time to build that trust. So you can forgive the person, but it doesn't mean you can trust them straight away or you should trust them straight away. And if we're, once we are able to differentiate that, we can be able to maybe forgive people a bit more. The next thing is forgiveness does not mean we do not report the offense to the authorities. If someone has done something in terms of the, the, the severity of the offense, abusing children, 
you know, rape and all of that. I don't want to put things into category. But actually, when something like that has been committed, to report it to the authorities does not mean that you are not forgiving the person. Because actually, your silence could mean that someone else would be a victim. So if you can forgive the person, but you can go through the whole process of actually the person going to court and everything. But sometimes there's a thin line between actually forgiving the person and seeking revenge through the justice system. And we just have to check our hearts on that. But it doesn't mean that you don't report or you don't go through the right process. Just because you've forgiven the person doesn't mean that it's all covered up and no one should know about it. That could help us forgive. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation. It doesn't always mean full reconciliation, although reconciliation is a good thing. There are some relationships that will never be the same. And there are certain offenses where one cannot be reconciled to the offender because they weren't friends anyway. So because you forgive someone does not mean that, hey, we are buddies or relationship has been, um, you know, restored. It is a command, but we need to understand what it does not mean. And it doesn't mean a lot of other things, but these are just some few points that I've put here that would help us in terms of making that decision to forgive others. Let me skip through this. The next point, why should we forgive? Okay? Why should we forgive? Because it is healing to our soul. We, for, we forgive because it is healing to our soul. Max Locato said this. He said, forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing you were the prisoner. <laughs> realizing you were the prisoner all along. And church, unforgiveness and the desire for revenge by holding onto our anger or resentment may give us this false hope that one day we will be satisfied, that one day our anger would be appeased and therefore we want to hold on to it. It gives us this false hope, but indirectly it holds us bound. Holding on to unforgiveness holds us bound. And the thing is, for many people who have walked the journey from unforgiveness to forgiveness, they say the same thing, that there's a freedom that comes when you do forgive. It is healing for your soul. After 27 years in prison for fighting for, the, for freedom and justice, this is what Mandela said. We all know who Mandela is, isn't it? I'm sorry, yeah, Nelson Mandela. He said this. He said, as I walked out of the door towards the gate, that would lead to my freedom. This was after he has been in for 27 years. Imagine being in behind bars for 27 years, okay? As I walked out the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I would still be in prison. I would still be in prison. If he didn't leave it behind, he would still be in prison. Church, forgiveness leads to freedom. It leads to healing for your soul. It is a path through the dark tunnel that leads to light. When we are told to forgive, it is for our own benefit. It is for our sanity, the sanity and peace of our minds. It is to release that emotional hurt. That starts with a healing process. Do you want to be healed? 
Do you want to be healed? You can start that healing process by taking the step to forgive today. Forgive. Forgive. It is a conscious decision. It is a deliberate act of the will. Decide. Choose to forgive. Choose to release that person. It is healing for your soul. Why should we forgive? Because forgiveness is often a precondition to the answer of some of our prayers. Have you thought about that? <laughs> it is a precondition to some of the answer of our prayers. Church, sometimes we underestimate the power of forgiveness. Jesus said this. He said, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And church, although this is in relation to sin and forgiveness of sin, in a broader context, it speaks of how unforgiveness can become a hindrance or an obstacle to receiving from God. It really can. We often don't think about it, but there are some prayers. There are some answers that are still hanging in the air. <laughs> it's not reached you yet. Because what is holding it back is unforgiveness. Why do I say this? Again, Archie Kendall, in his book, he wrote about his experience when he was about to preach. This was what he said. He said this, I unexpectedly saw a person in one of our services who had severely hurt one of our children. Okay? And, you know, when someone hurts you, that's one thing. When someone hurts your child, it's another level. Okay? <laughs> severely hurt one of our children. It was just before I was scheduled to preach. And he said this, in a flash, the Lord seemed to say to me, that's a check of the Holy Spirit. You say you want revival in this church, right? What if revival hinges on whether you totally forgive this person? What if revival hinges? You want that. What if it hinges on if you totally forgive this person? And church, I ask the same question to you. What if your breakthrough hinges on forgiveness? What if the healing that you've been asking the Lord for hinges on forgiveness? What is that restoration of your marriage hinges on forgiveness? And as ministers, what if the anointing that we so desire hinges on forgiveness? You fill in the blanks. What if whatever that you are asking the Lord for hinges on forgiveness? What if, what if there's power in forgiveness? Sometimes it's a precondition to us receiving the answers that we've been asking for. Sometimes it is a precondition. We're running out of time, so let me run through this. We forgive because it's part of our identity. And I've shared this many times already, so you can connect the dots to this. It's because when Paul was writing this, initially he had written about putting off the old self, and he talked about putting on your new self. And when he said put on your new self was when he started talking about these things that we should now start doing, which forgiveness is a part of. And therefore, as a summary here, our old identity and the old way that we used to live is a lifestyle of unforgiveness. That is our old self, our new self now. It's one that is more eager to forgive others or should be open, should be deliberate, 
should be ready to forgive. Why? Because our Heavenly Father is one who forgives. And as children of God, like father, like son, like daughters. As he is, so are we. As Christ is, because we find our identity in Christ. Christ is forgiven. He went all the way to the cross. He forgave our sins through his atoning sacrifice. And therefore, we who find our identity in Christ, therefore, must be people who are quick to forgive. It is part of our identity. We cannot detach that from who we are. But we need to be knowledgeable about who we are. That's a quick summary of that because we're running out of time. Final point. Why should we forgive? Because our debt is greater. It's great, church. It's great. One of the key ways the Lord softens our heart is to make us more generous. One of the key ways he softens our heart to make us more generous, to make us more tolerant and understanding, or even more forgiving, is to make us experience what other people are experiencing or what the other person have experienced. What do I mean by this? He puts us in a place where we can identify with the experiences of others. So, for example, someone who has walked the journey from drug addiction to freedom now from, from drugs they are more understanding to people who are struggling with drugs. Someone who has walked the journey with alcohol addiction, for example, they, they, they are more understanding to people who are struggling with it because they can identify with that. They can identify with that. I find myself that I've become a bit more sensitive to the needs of others more recently because someone was overly generous to us when we were in desperate need. And as a result, it has softened my heart to make me more generous or aware of the needs of others. Sometimes because you have received much and therefore you are able to give out out of the abundance that you have received. How does this relate to what I'm saying? What I'm saying is this, that church, it comes when it comes to forgiveness, sometimes we forget that we have been forgiven much. We forget that we have been forgiven much. The forgiveness that we have received transcends this life into eternity. The forgiveness we receive is not just for this life. It leads us into eternity forever, ever, ever. You name it. And church, like the servants who was forgiven 10,000 talents worth of sin. That's what we are like. That was what Jesus was saying. That is what you are like. You have been forgiven 10,000 talents worth of sin. You cannot pay it back. Nothing can be compared to it. We have been forgiven much. C.S. Lewis therefore says this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. It's to forgive the inexcusable because God has also forgiven the inexcusable in you. That's the reason why Paul said this, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Church, the understanding of the gravity of our sin and the forgiveness we have received is meant to make our hearts tender to do likewise because we have received much forgiveness and therefore we, out of the abundance that we have received, also forgive others irrespective of the degree of hurt. Although it is difficult, Let's end with this quote now. 
Archie Kendall. This is what he says. He said this, but it is still very difficult, very, very hard to forgive those who have hurt us directly, especially when they feel not the slightest twinge of conscience. When we can see they are sorry, it makes it a lot easier to forgive them. He goes on and he says, but no one seemed very sorry at the cross of Jesus. There was no justice at his trial, if you could call it that at all. There was glee in the faces of the people who got what they wanted. Crucify him, they shouted. Furthermore, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. They shouted, let this Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And what was Jesus' response? What was his response? Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. R.T. answered this way. He says this, it must also be our response. It must also be our response. I know that this is a, a challenging message, but it's not every message that we hear that makes us joyful, shouting. This is a message that calls us to act, calls us to be obedient <laughs> to our Lord and our Savior. It is a difficult one ministers struggle with unforgiveness. Everyone could struggle with it because perhaps of the degree of hurt, the trauma that you experience. But church, we are called to forgive. One, because of who we are in Christ, because of who we now, we are children of God. We are called to forgive because it is a commander to forgive because it is healing to our soul. We're called to forgive because you never know what hinges on you forgiving. You never know what breakthrough. You never know what healing. We're called to forgive for lots of reasons. And I can assure you on this day that if you would make that deliberate decision, that choice to forgive, that act of the will, it would not just be dependent on you. The Lord by his spirit would fill you with the power to forgive. He's not asking you to do something that he himself, he has not done. He went all the way to the cross. He's more than able to help you. But you must come to that place to make that decision to forgive. Shall we bow our heads down? I want you to just come to the Lord right now. I want you to receive from him. Who do you need to release from your heart? Who do you need to release from your heart? He is here to help you by his spirit. It's not just up to you. He will strengthen you. He will carry you through. Think about it.
come to him now and ask for forgiveness. Ask of him to empower you as well as you forgive others. Pray. Reflect on this and pray. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, my Lord and my God, I pray, Lord, and I ask for your spirit of peace, Lord. The peace that surpasses all understanding to be present here, Lord, on this day. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that every heavy heart, every heart that has been burdened, Lord, by hurt, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that, Lord, that you would release your people right now from every burden as they confess as they come to you as they make that deliberate decision to release whoever has offended them and forgive I pray Lord may we experience Lord your spirit's help may we experience the comforting of your Holy Spirit in this place I pray in the name of Jesus Lord may doors be opened in this place on this day because Lord in accordance to your word, your people have obeyed and have forgiven. I pray, my Lord and my God, may we experience, Lord God Almighty, love, joy, unimaginable. May we experience freedom because we have taken the steps to forgive. I just commit it all to you and I just ask of you, come and have your way among us, Lord, on this day. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.